It was interesting. I didn't plan it that way, but uh, this morning's Bible study on on uh, Asa, in the first part of it, he turned to God for the first battle that he faced, and in the second battle, he turned to man in that battle. Things didn't work out so well for him. I want to ask you a question. I know we all pray. I know you pray. I have confidence. I have confidence that everyone here prays. But I want to ask you a question and, and ask you to search yourself. What happens when you're praying and you don't get an answer? Are, are you always looking for the instant answer? I know y'all have probably never been guilty of this. I know Miss Johnny never has, but the uh, so, sometimes may tend to just pray, throw the prayer out there and say, Lord's got this, and then go on. You know, I've had prayers answered before and not realized it till they were answered. And then I remembered praying for it, kind of. You know what I'm saying? If, if we don't keep track, if we don't, and we'll talk more about it, but when you're, when you're praying and you don't get an answer, the title of my message today is Ask, Seek, and Knock. Follow with me here in chapter number 11. Last week we looked at the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we're going to start at verse number 5 today. And there's going to be a lot of scripture. I got three pages, but I got a lot of scripture. And, and if anybody doesn't know, I've gotten up here with 12 pages before. I get. I'm one of them preachers that has them dreams sometimes that you, you're about to get up in the pulpit to preach and you ain't got nothing. <laughs> I like to have something. It's a lot easier to pass something than it is. Oh, I'm sorry. Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter number 11. Thank you, Miss Johnny. Verse number 5. It says, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? Luke chapter number 11, verse number 5. Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, and we'll talk about that, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And then verse number nine is the key verse for our text. And I say unto you, and this is Jesus talking, he says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one of you that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Verse number nine, we seem to see these three phases or these three degrees of prayer. Ask, seek, and knock. He says, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. The first thing that you got to do when you're praying is you got to ask. The basis for getting all your prayers answered is that you first have to ask. It says, ask and you shall receive. That seemed like such a simple thing, doesn't it? 
But how many of you walk around and you have a problem and you don't ask God? It's just the simplest of things. And, and it's like, well, that's obvious, Keith. Well, it's not. Uh, it's not as obvious as you would think. In our study this morning, when we looked at King Asa, he did ask in the first battle. But in the second battle, he didn't even turn to God. He didn't even ask God for a solution. He just turned around and figured it out on his own. How many times have you done that? Where you come up on a problem and you said, I got this one, Lord. I really appreciate you for getting me through that. But, you know, I, I got this. Or maybe you don't even think about the Lord. Maybe the first thing you think about is, man, how can I get this taken care of? I got a friend over here. I can talk to him. He can do this and that. And I can talk to this other friend and he can do this and that. And you got it all worked out. You know, I'm sorry to say there's a, there's a lot of churches, and I've done it before, but there's a lot of churches, a lot of pastors, a lot of people that just sit there and say, you know what, this is what needs to be done. We'll get it done. They just start plowing on ahead. And I'm saying, I don't want to be that kind of church. I want to be the church that said, Lord, what would you have us to do? I know it slows us down a little bit, but Lord, what would you have us to do? Lord, we ask you to be with us on this. And I know that we're not always going to get handed down a contract with instructions step by step. I understand that. But when we're asking the Lord's will, we begin to see his solution take place. We'll see somebody step up or we'll see it come from here or come from there. We don't know. Don't know what's going to happen is special for each circumstance. But the first thing that you have to do as a Christian in your relationship with God is ask. How many times have you, have you hurt someone's feelings and they had a problem with you and they didn't ask you about it? How many people get mad at God and say, well, I went through this, I went through this trial, I went through this problem, but they never asked God to help them through it? The first thing you have to do is ask. I see some of you looking out there and saying, brother, this is just ABC now. I'm telling you, you got to ask. You want a better preacher? Ask for him. You want a better church? Ask for him. You need to make it through the week? Ask for him. You lost your car keys? Ask him. <laughs> I've done that before. I'm not ashamed to say. I've had to be somewhere, and it was slowing me down. Lord, please help me find my keys. You know, just talking to the Lord. You know what happens when you talk to the Lord, when you ask him for even the smallest things? You know what happens? You're not relying on yourself. You know what happens? You, you begin to see the prayer answer because I tell you what, those keys just magically show up. It's like you turned around and I, I'm not saying this now. I'm not saying this is Bible, but it's like you turn around and an angel comes in and sets those keys right behind you. I'm not saying it's Bible. I'm just saying. Or please help me find my keys. I done looked there three times. Here they are. And you say, thank you, Lord. And you go on. And there's deeper prayers, there's deeper questions, there's deeper requests. But number one, you got to ask. You know, some of the most praying times are, are on the battlefield and in the classroom when the teacher says pop quiz. <laughs> some, those are some of the most praying times in America. If only we could hear the prayers that go up to him. The basis basis for getting your prayers answered is that you have to ask first. James chapter 4, in verse number 1, he says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? In other words, it's the lesser part of you all that's creating all this argument between each other. It's the evil within you. He says, You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have 
and cannot obtain, you fight and war. You have not because you ask not. God says he'll answer your prayers. You'll ask and you shall receive. And uh, you need to ask from a right heart. There's three ways to ask. Number one, you need to ask from a right heart. Your heart needs to be right. When we look in the Old Testament, it says they set their heart to seek God. They set their heart right. James 4, 3 says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. The easiest illustration I know to give is to say, Lord, I need a new Cadillac. Lord, I need this. I need that. Lord, I need a new car. I need a Ferrari. That's, that's consuming it upon your own lust. You can take that to, down to any degree, to any simple thing. Man, I need a new house. I, I really need that high-dollar house over in Bayshore. I really need that. That's something I need. Lord, I could serve you so much better in a house like that. We could have company and everything. You ask not. You, you, he says, uh, you lust and you have not. You kill and desire. He said, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. But you know those prayers that God will answer? When you're praying for each other. Over in Job 42.10, it says, The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Now, God told him to pray for his friends, but Job had been under a big burden. And it always struck me, it said, The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Job went through some of the biggest trials and troubles we could ever see. And when he began to think on other people, when he began to think for his friends, when he began to pray to God for his friends, the Lord turned his captivity. It was just interesting to me. He had a relationship with God, but that's when his captivity turned. You need to ask from the right heart. 1 John five fourteen, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. This thing about God's will, knowing God's will, what is God's will? What is God's will for me? You know, there are sermons we can preach on, and I think I've preached one or two, but knowing God's will. If you want to know God's will, the first place that you have to look before anywhere else is right here. Maybe this is ABC. You know why? Because my sermon is on praying is A-S-K. Ask, seek, and knock. A-S-K. But the first place that you need to go is your Bible. That's where God tells you what his will is. When you see how God dealt with the king, and I keep referring back to the Sunday school message so that uh, if you missed it, you'll feel bad. But in the Sunday school message, we look back at the kings and we can see how God dealt with them. God told them that if you follow me, if you seek after me, I'll be found. But if you turn away from me, then I'll leave you. I'll, I'll forsake you. I will. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to quote something that I didn't have written down. But God, God gave them a blessing and a curse in the Old Testament. God told them that if you seek me, if you turn toward me, then I'll bless you. Now, the Jews had a material blessing. We don't have that in the New Testament. We get spiritual blessings. Do you follow me on that? In the Old Testament, he promised the Jews a material blessing. He said, if you follow me, if you seek me, if you turn to me and turn away from your evil ways, if you turn away from the idols and the other gods, then I will bless you. Your crops will grow and all the plenteous. 
This isn't a word of faith ministry. We believe in the New Testament, but the spiritual blessings in the New Testament are ours. But when they turned away from God, then their crops began to fail. Their, their, their cattle began to fail. They, they, began to, they had enemies that persecuted them. They had wars with the nations round about them. So when your heart's right with God, when you know his will, when we look in the Old Testament, we see God's will and how he dealt with them. We look at our own lives and some of the things that people do and expect God to bless it. Do you think God will really bless that? Oh, that was a big question. Well, I see you guys looking at me like a tree full of owls. I'm telling you, when someone gets away from God and someone is putting themselves first, and they're asking God, do you think God's really inclined to answer the prayer? He says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth it. Psalm 66, 18, David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If you're living a life of sin and you're away from God, and I'll even say if you're just laying out of church, it, it, there'll be times when it just seemed like your prayers can't get past the ceiling. There'll be times when it seemed like you can stand higher than where your prayers are going. It, it's like throwing them out there and they just fall flat. There's other times when you know that you've God has convicted you, the Holy Spirit has convicted you in your heart, and you've said, Lord, I'll put this aside and I'll, I'll step away from this and I'll follow you. And then you make your request and you just, man, you just feel like it just goes straight up and it's like, I know the Lord will answer it. I know he'll answer it. It's according to his will. He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. In Isaiah 59, when, I, when Isaiah was talking to the Israelites, he said, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. That'd be a sad position to be in. First thing that you have to do is ask. Ask with the right heart. And then here's something. This is easy. You need to actually look for an answer. He says, and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. How many times? He says, seek, and you shall find. Seeking an answer from God requires faith on your part that he's actually going to answer. Some pray, not expecting to get an answer to their prayer. It's just something they do because they feel obligated as a Christian. Good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. Amen. They just throw it out there. has nothing to do with God. has nothing to do with anything. It's just an obligation to get to the dinner. Just an obligation to get to the dance, get to whatever. But just throwing a prayer out there that means nothing. Because they don't expect an answer back. I, I listened to someone one time, and they said, you know, I pray, but I, I don't think God will answer. I don't see how you get an answer saying that. I really don't, and I'm not trying to be mean. Seeking an answer from God requires faith on your part. If all of your prayers are vague, like a Miss America contest, you might not get an answer. You know, Miss America contest, when they have the interview portion. What do you want? I want world peace. Well, we know we're not going to see world peace anytime soon. We all want world peace. That's good. I, I would like an Arby's burger, and I got more chance of getting that 
Amen? I can go over to League City. But and we should, don't get me wrong, don't get mad at me. We should pray for our nation. We should pray for our president. You better be praying for our nation, and you better be praying for our president. Understand that. And we better be praying for this world. We better be praying that God's will be done. In last week's sermon, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want God's will to be done. And there, we should be praying for those things that we don't have control over and that God works in those. But the thing is, as an individual, if you're wanting to build your faith in God, if you're wanting to build your faith in prayer, Give him something he can answer. And I don't mean make it easy. It's like, Lord, open this door right before you walk before an electronic door and it just opens up to you. I'm not saying that. Don't help God out with it. But you have needs. There's people around you that are hurting. There's people in your own life. And you may be hurting yourself. Pray. Lift up your prayer to God and expect an answer. Don't just ask and then walk away. Has someone ever asked you to do something for them? And then before you can do it, they accuse you of never doing anything. I've seen it sometimes. You get upset. I know, I know somebody that asked their children to do something. Well, they didn't do it. And just, just go and do it. And said, well, they just don't help me. And it's like, well, you don't, get, you don't give them a chance to. Sometimes we ask our prayer up to God and say, well, he didn't answer that or he's not going to answer. And we just walk away. Miss Johnny's looking at me like, I don't do that. I know you don't. I know you don't, Miss Johnny. I'm just trying to make an illustration. I know I'm mean to y'all. We could, we could learn. And, I, and simple things set a simple path. Seek and you shall find. Ask in faith. James 1.5. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, and he's given the case of wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And then verse number six, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Yeah, it's a tough thing that when we pray, we ought to expect an answer, that we ought to have faith that God will perform it or that he's going to give us a no. But there's souls that I know you know. There's people that I know you know that are lost, that don't know Christ. I hope there's some. I hope God's showing you somebody right now. Put them down on a list. They say that uh, George Muller, when you look at George Muller, he was the one that prayed through for orphans. He had an orphanage, and it was all based on prayer. To give you an example, I've given it to you before, but one morning they sat down for breakfast, and they didn't have breakfast for the kids, and they said, well, let's pray for ourselves. Let's thank the Lord for our breakfast, which we're about to receive. You know, They didn't have milk. And uh, pretty soon the door, somebody knocked on the door, and it was the milkman. His cart broke down. He said, look, i got to unload all this so I can fix the wheel. And he brought in the mill. And that was, there was just example after example. He's got like three volumes, like 1,300 pages talking about his life of prayer. I just started, I think I'm going to read the condensed version. But <laughs> talking about his life of prayer and talking about prayers that were answered. 
And I couldn't verify it, but one preacher said that George Muller, at the end of his life, there were only three prayers that weren't answered because he had documented them all. And it was for two souls, the uh, three souls that weren't saved when he passed away. And two of them got saved at his funeral and one got saved later. I couldn't verify it, but I can throw it out there to you. Amen. Because it tells you about a lifetime of praying for people, of praying for lost souls. It tells you about a lifetime of staying with it and not giving up. Who is it that the Lord has laid on your mind? Who is it that God has showed you that's not saved, that you would like to see them in heaven one day? Don't give up. Don't just ask and walk away. He says, seek and you shall find. Seek and answer. Sometimes the answer may be no. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, Paul talks about that thorn in the flesh. He said he prayed for it three times. He prayed one time. He said, Lord, and this is, this is just thinking about what he might have said. He said, Lord, take away this thorn. You know I could have a better ministry and get more souls saved if I didn't have to contend with this thing. It just interferes with things. And if you would take it away, I could get more done for you. Some say it was his leg. Some say it was some sin. Who knows? I don't think God wants us to know because we all have a thorn in our flesh. And we pray for God to take it away. And God said the third time, he said, no, my grace is sufficient for thee. He got his answer. Might not have been what he liked, but he got his answer. Seek for the answer. In order to know the answer when it comes, you need to know the request and when it was made. You pray, and then you forget. You ask, and then you move on and forget that you even asked. The answer doesn't always come right away, and the answer isn't always yes. And if you don't get an answer when you think you should, y'all are going to love me today because this is my third point, knock. It says, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. But this is the longest point. Sorry to take that away from you. You need to keep knocking. He gives the example here in chapter number 11 of the man that goes to his friend's house in the middle of the night and said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine is in his, in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. The middle of the night, he's knocking on the door and he's got a friend coming and he's worried about giving him some bread. And he from within shall answer and say, <coughs> trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are in bed or with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. You think about it in the old days when everybody shared one bed and he's got a pile of kids in there in bed with him. He'd have to move them all. Does anybody remember that? Your cousins and all that. You had to move them so you could get up. He had to disturb them all. He wasn't about to do it. He said, I'm not going to do it. I'm already in bed. But he keeps on knocking. He says, hey, come on now. If we're friends, come on. You, 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 I took care of you. Please, I need some bread. They're coming. I, I got to have something for them. They've been traveling. They don't have any. And the man said, all right, all right, just quit. You know, the closest, earliest thing I can think of is that little cat we got when we lock him out. <laughs> and he gets his paw under that door and wiggles it back and forth because <laughs> we forgot to shove a towel under it. Eventually, I get up and I take care of him. 
I'm sorry, that's just the closest illustration I got personally. But he says, he says in verse number eight, he says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. Look, we're friends. (laughs) I hope we're still friends tomorrow, but I don't want to do this. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Here, take five bread. Take, take five loaves, whatever you need. Just, you want some peanut butter and jelly? Go with, just, just let me go back to bed. Just leave me alone. And he says, uh, so importunity. And here's your Bible word for the day. You know, when you go to law school, you'd learn law words. When you go to doctor school, you learn doctor words. And you, and you learn how to write bad. But you learn the words for whatever you're doing. So importunity is a Bible word. And just because you don't speak it every day doesn't mean you can't learn it. But importunity, you ready for this? An urgent request made with some troublesome frequency. I have a very importunity, a very importune cat. But knocking. Hey, so he says to knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Look at uh, Luke chapter number 18. We're going to be looking at a couple passages here. Luke chapter number 18, verse number 1, and this is the companion for this other one, for Luke chapter 11. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. She wouldn't leave him alone. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? You know the key to all prayer? The key is having faith that God will answer it. You know, that's what makes you keep coming back for him. That woman knew that that judge had the power to avenge her. She knew that he was the one. She knew that if she could just get him to change his mind, if she could just bother him enough and he would change his mind, that he would avenge her. She knew that he had the power. When we come to God and you come to God and you just throw up a prayer and you just walk away, how, how much faith do you have? Is it that you have so much faith that you say, well, I just know God will take care of it. And sometimes he does right away, just a quick prayer, asking you shall receive. But sometimes you got you to gotta go a little further. Sometimes you got to go a little further like Paul did. He didn't get it on the first request. He didn't get it on the second request. He goes along and he hadn't got an answer to his prayer and, and whatever that thorn is, whether it's his leg, whatever it is, he's, he's going along and it starts to bother him again. And he's like, well, you know, maybe the Lord will answer you. Lord, I'm just, and then a the third time, Lord, please, please take this from me. I could serve you so much better if I didn't have this dragging me down. You know, personally, what I think that thorn in the flesh was? 
I think Paul looked back and I think he saw that young man, Stephen, when he was martyred. Y'all can look that up for yourself over in Acts chapter number 7, Acts chapter number 8. I think that's what got him. I think, Lord, if you would just take this away and God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. God knew that that's what he needed. God knew. I've, I've heard the preacher say, Dr. Peacock, I've heard him say, you know, I, if I didn't have to be here every Sunday, if I didn't have to be in the Word, if I didn't have to be here with y'all, I don't, I don't know where I'd be. But God keeps me here. God keeps me busy. He doesn't let me slow down. But sometimes it goes a little past. You seek. You got to look for the answer. When you're praying, you got to look for the answer. But then there's other times when the answer doesn't come right away. And you got to persevere. This woman wouldn't leave the judge alone. Look over in uh, Mark chapter 9. Matthew, Mark, go back one book. We're going to look at a few people that didn't give up. Mark chapter 9, verse number 28. It says, And when he was coming to the house... And this is talking about Jesus. His disciples asked him privately. Uh, let me see. Did I get this right? 28 through 30. There we go. Verse number 30. I don't know why I went back a couple of verses. How did I lose my spot? All right, I wrote it down all wrong altogether. Two blind men were following Jesus. <laughs> it hurts when I see Dee Dee shake her head. All oh, this is embarrassing. Two blind men were following Jesus, and they were asking him, Lord, heal us. Lord, heal us. And he doesn't respond to them. It says, and when he came into the house, he had walked right past them and right past everybody else and went into the house, but they followed him into the house. And he said, do you believe that I can heal you? And they said, Lord, we believe. And that same hour, they, he touched their eyes, and they received their sight. But they didn't give up. They followed him. Another example, and I don't know if I'm going to embarrass myself if I got this wrong again. Look at uh, Mark chapter number 10, verse number 46. This is one of my favorites. Because he didn't give up. When we're praying to God and we don't give up. Verse number 46, and they came to Jericho. And as they went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he, should not hold his, that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. 
blind Bartimaeus, he knew that the one who could make him see was nearby. He knew that Jesus had the power to heal. He had heard what Jesus had done for other people. You put yourself in Bartimaeus' spot, and he's sitting there by the side of the road begging like he's been begging his whole life. And he's had his hand out there. And everybody who walked by, all they could ever offer him was a little bit of silver, a little bit of gold. That's all they could offer him. But he heard that the one that was there, the one that could heal him, that could give him back his sight was there. And he wasn't going to let him just pass by. He cries out to him and they tell him, shut up, shut up. How many times when someone's praying out to God, he's not going to answer your prayer. Don't worry. He didn't worry about them. He knew that Jesus could heal him. He had the faith enough to know that God could heal him. Do you follow me on that? And I'm not talking about the, the healing preachers that say, well, you didn't have enough faith. I'm talking about he knew he had enough faith that Jesus would heal him that he wasn't going to let anyone stop him. You know what stops you in your prayer sometimes? You, you, you doubt that God will, will answer that prayer. But Bartimaeus knew he could answer that prayer, and he, he kept crying out until Jesus called over to him. He pushed past the people. He pushed past the throngs, and he got to Jesus. He didn't let anyone else stop him or discourage him. He had faith, desire, and single-mindedness. He wasn't going to be distracted from what he was doing. He kept his eyes, he kept his mind on Jesus Christ, and he received his sight. Over in Matthew 15, 22, and 28, if you want to go there, if not, but the Syrophoenician woman had come to Jesus, and she wanted her daughter healed, and he said, I've not come but to the lost sheep of Israel. She was disqualified because she was a woman of Canaan. She wasn't a Jew, and he didn't come there for her. But she didn't stop. She didn't give up. She was ignored. She was lobbied against. The disciples said, Lord, get, get her to go away. Just get her to go away. And then the Lord denied, she denied her. He said, it's not fit to give the meat from the master's table to dogs. And she said, Lord, but even the dogs get crumbs from the master's table. And then he healed her daughter that same hour. You know, if she hadn't kept going, if she'd have just said, well, I'm not a Jew, I'll just walk away. It's, it's, a, it's importunity. It's seeking God. It's, it's knocking. Lord, please. How bad do you really want something? Sometimes God just wants to see how bad you really want it. If he just gave something to you, you know somebody who appreciates something the least is somebody that's just handed something for free. How many kids in high school do you know that got the brand new car? You know, I remember a kid getting a Porsche. When he could drive, he wrapped it around a tree. He didn't appreciate it. He didn't know what he had. I guarantee you, as an adult, if I'd bought a Porsche or something like that, he'd want to take care of it. But when you begin to cry out, you really appreciate it. Well, you understand what God gave you. How bad do you want it? She was denied. Her daughter was healed. give you a quote here from George Muller and it was written in 1895 so you got to kind of sift through it but he says I never remember in all my Christian course a period in other words his life a period now of 69 years and four months that I ever sincerely and patiently sought to know the will of God by the teaching of the Holy Ghost 
through the instrumentality of the Word of God. In other words, the Holy Ghost teaching him and the Word of God showing him. But I have always been directed rightly. But if honesty of heart and uprightness before God were lacking, or if I did not patiently wait upon God for instruction, or if I preferred the counsel of my fellow men to the declarations of the word of the living God, I made great mistakes. In other words, when I sought God's will through the Holy Ghost and through what the Bible showed me, I always had my answers. But whenever I followed man, whenever I got away from what God taught in his word, he said, I made great mistakes. I think he looked back on his life, and he was a man that wrote wrote his life down on paper, and he could look back, and he would mark, and he'd say, that one was answered. That one was answered. I, I, my prayer for this church is that we be that kind of people. You get the book. You write it down. When you're praying for a lost soul, you keep praying for them. You keep praying for them. When you're praying for something, that you keep praying. And we want an answer. We seek after that answer. And if we don't get the answer, we keep going to God with that prayer. And sometimes you may never know that the prayer was answered till the other side of glory. Like those three men that were saved after George Muller died. If that story is true. It, but it happens like that. You know, preaching a sermon at a guy or giving the message at a funeral. One thing I never want to fail to do, and, and sometimes you, you're almost inclined, well, it's, it seems like it breaks it up. And you get a little bit afraid to give the gospel. It's like, eh, how's that going to be received? And at the end of the service, it, it seems like some people just kind of look at you. I don't know. But I never want to fail to give the gospel of Jesus Christ because if they want to go to heaven, he is the only way to get to heaven.